You are tuned in to another segment of Women Who Boss Up. This show is about women who rise above and become bosses. These women have a sense of confidence and awareness about where they stand in this world. Now, my guest today is Leslie Wesley. How are you today? Oh, I am doing lovely. Just phenomenal. That is great. So, Leslie calls herself a change agent. You wonder why? Well, let me tell you. She is a social entrepreneur. She's an inspirational speaker, a business coach, and a financial literacy educator coach who loves to create and build purpose. She's the co-founder of TDB Enterprise and Mana Financial Coaching. She's the vice president of the South Bend Black Business Chamber of Commerce and the president managing broker of Grace Realty Group in South Bend. You do a lot. (laughs) I do, but I do everything in excellence and I have great people around me. That's key. So today, we are going to be talking about Leslie's journey. So let's start off by talking about what life was like for you growing up. Oh, life was for me. um, So I'm a native of South Bend, uh, born and raised here in South Bend, um, attended Kennedy, Dickinson, and LaSalle High School, uh, which is now LaSalle Academy, but um, Barbara will be LaSalle High School. Attended um, Indiana University uh, here in Indiana. After returning after graduation, coming back here to South Bend, I uh, worked for South Bend Public Housing. I was a substance abuse coordinator, assistant volunteer supervisor. I worked for the Medical Foundation in toxicology. So in the daytime, I would work with residents that uh, experienced alcohol and drug abuse. And then at night, I would doing a lot of um, drug testing uh, samples that we got ready for the uh, scientists to test in toxicology. And so, you know, I was just coming back kind of, you know, living at home and then I got engaged. And um, prior to that, I will say, um, in high school and in college, I worked at uh, Northwest Bank and also I worked for uh, Monroe County Bank down in Bloomington. So my background in banking kind of started and I kind of shifted to what my passion was, is I love to help people. So I wanted to kind of go back to bring you forward. Um, another great uh, dynamic opportunity, uh, I got engaged in 1992 and married uh, in 1993 and moved to Indianapolis, shifted gears again and worked in for Conseco, which was a huge insurance company at the time because my husband worked uh, for State Farm and just kind of had to pivot. And then in 1994, the management staff at State Farm invited us to a meeting and said, hey, would you be interested in going back to South Bend to start a State Farm agency? Uh, my husband worked in claims, and so he was you know, supervisor in claims in Indianapolis, and we were like, um, you know, I don't know. You know, because we just kind of thought about movement in, within State Farm and then, you know, kind of whatever city we're going to be in, that's where we're going to kind of move. But then we were so led to come back to South Bend because our family was here. So we, we came back to South Bend, and in between there, Key Bank is who I worked for, and it was a wonderful experience for me. And uh, in what we call the community banking, vice president of community banking, and that's where I had the opportunity to uh, work with individuals that were first-time homebuyers who were interested in um, becoming first-time homebuyers and needed a little extra help because... Prior to that, I had worked in, when we came back, there was a little gap time that I keep forgetting. I worked as a mortgage originator, mortgage broker, or brokerage uh, brokerage firm here called Tri-State Mortgage. 
And then from there, I got the job with KeyBank, and then I kind of advanced, and now what we call retail. So fast forward, started my own mortgage company. Industry kind of bellied up. In the, in the meantime, had gotten my real estate license, had already had my insurance license and life and health PNC because of my husband having his state farm agency. And so I just kind of you know, always had an opportunity to get those licenses. And so from there, all, from my, in 2006, um, I had my real estate license, had to close down my business as a mortgage broker owner in 2008, and just continued to try to stay in the real estate game, as we call it. But then everything bellied up, and that's when we had that high industry of real estate kind of dropped and a lot of exposure of predatory lending and all that, that good stuff. But I always continued to keep my license and keep up with my license. And I always had a vision of starting my own real estate company. In between, we've always had our TDB enterprise, which is our real estate development, where we, you know, buy homes and we would sell them or we would rent them out. And, and TDB is named after my kids, Taylor, Derek, and Blake uh, enterprise. And that's where we also house our man of financial coaching. Uh, years ago, my husband and I, we've been for a long time teaching financial literacy education through insurance or, you know, just financial literacy education, personal finance. And so we've always had a passion and a mission for that. And so we've been teaching in the churches. We kind of lecture uh, out of town. We've been invited out of town to come and lecture. And we kind of host different opportunities for people to learn about finances from basic to advanced. Okay, we're going to talk more about your financial segment yes. in, a, okay, in a minute. Okay, so that's been our world. <laughs> so that's okay. been my world. So now I'm the... the um, the Vice President of the uh, Black Business Chamber of South Bend, which I'm excited. And we're going to talk about that, too. So, yeah, so that's my world. Okay. That's my, that's my Very good. Like I said, you, you do a lot, and it seems like you've, you've covered a lot of industries. So you went to, um, you say, Indiana University? Indiana University. My major is in, in labor studies, and so, you know, just liberal studies, and so you just kind of don't know what you want to do. Okay. Um, I always wanted to be a social worker. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a social worker, and that's why I was able to kind of get into the kind of social work field when I returned back here to South Bend. But I always had a passion for entrepreneurship. Okay, we're going to talk about that. That's my next yeah. question. Yep, yep, yep. So that's uh, uh, my, my back. Okay, so back. what was your key driving force to becoming an entrepreneur? You know what? I'm a um, I'm actually a third generation um, entrepreneur. Nice. My grandparents back in the early 1900s had a in, um, around about 1930s, 40s had a they had a candy store at the time in the back of uh, an all white established uh, store here in South Bend. And so my grandfather owned homes. My grandfather was uh, worked in the in the Studebaker and the labor was a laborer, but always had a, a passion for, you know, bringing his family up from the south, from Kentucky and, and those areas. So um, my um, aunt owned the first African-American daycare here in, in uh, South Bend, and my, and my parents worked in the daycare um, to help her get that established. And so when you start really looking at where it all started, that's where my entrepreneur, I didn't, before I was even born, it was just embedded. And so... When my husband started, when we were asked to start the state farm business, you become an entrepreneur. I mean, it, that was 1994. Okay. And so that's where, that's when it was implemented for me. It was right around 94, 90, uh, 94, and then it's just, it's just been growing, and now it's 2021. Exactly. And so it's been a build on. We've had some businesses, we've sold some businesses, and so that's, that's where it's been beginning. 
That's great. Now, you, you, we talked a little bit about your background. You had a lot of banking and financial background knowledge um, from being a bank teller to a mortgage officer. Then you also mentioned that you and your husband, Derek, have been coaching families, youth, and individuals in the field of financial literacy education, and you both are certified financial literacy coaches. So is that how you mentioned Man, uh, Man of Financial? Is that how that got started? So the financial coaching really started as a mission. Okay. And it was a mission for us. Uh, my husband is like Mr. Fugel, Mr. Guru, Mr. Wealth Builder. He talks about not being rich. He talks about being wealthy and uh, finances, being financially sound and not having to have, say, I want a lot of money, but what the money you do have to be sound with it. And so that started for me just being married to him and then being having our insurance background and having the banking background that I had kind of blended both missions together. And then we had an opportunity to, uh, when I worked for uh, KeyBank, I got trained on FDIC, Money Smart. So I just started, you know, kind of building my toolbox of making sure I could get the certifications. And then we had the golden opportunity of being able to go down to Tennessee and go through um, the training with Dave Ramsey. And we teach Financial Peace University. And and so what was said, it started off a mission because of people, a lot of people around it, and even my own experience of not being a very good steward of the way I handled money. Okay. I just happened to have a very good steward that lived with me and to keep me grounded. But my whole intention was shopping and all that. And so I kind of use, I always tell people I use real life theory space because that was me. Okay, and that's you know, great. Learning how to, to really budget and learning how to live by a budget and really sticking to your budget. Paying, paying your debt on time, and I said, I can't be working with families and individuals and youth if I don't practice the same type of skills and practices. And so that's really how really I started because we kept getting calls and people would ask us. And then the mortgage background, and I worked in banking, and so I was a teller before. And so it's kind of what watch people come in and not know how to balance their checkbook and people wanting to buy a house or people not understanding. My husband's really good at stocks and learning about stocks and I'm a risk taker in real estate, so I, I, I teach about the real estate portion. So that's really how that all kind of begins. So when you kind of take that all in, we're more we're coaching. Okay. So there's people that fix your credit. There's financial advisors. There's the stockbrokers. We tell people, they say, what are you? We're financial coaches. Okay. We coach you. Yeah. And it sounds like you cover a lot of areas to help people get on track. Yes. Okay. And even it. you. So, you know, you said if it wasn't for your better half, you'd be out there spending up everything. Spending. <laughs> spending. I think, and one of the things is that it's like we go on these 21-day debt diets. That means you can't buy anything. You can't, you got to cook. You can only go get the necessities, no shopping and everything. And so over the years, we've been married 27 years. And so when you're in a household that is fat, that is habit forming, my husband's an envelope person, cash, doesn't like credit cards, you can't afford it, you can't buy it, philosophy. But if you, if you can't afford it and you're going to get some rewards or you're going to be able to take advantage of some opportunities for, for, as far as like interest and all that, that's big and huge for him. Like that's a big thing for him. That's a good mentality to have, keep you on track. Yeah. You keep more money in your pocket that way. Yeah, that's it. And you stabilize. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that we've been sharing with everybody right now is that the pandemic really changed our, I mean, it took a real shift mindset for me again. Mm -hmm. For years I've been on that same track mindset. I'm very 
you know, I don't buy things rugged. I'm always a salesperson. What is it going to be on sale? I'm a Sam's Club, Costco, store up for later, look at the cost. And so the pandemic really even shifted my mind and even more because I started talking with people that were really, really hurting. And they were really trying to make ends meet, that lost jobs, furloughed, and said, hey, you know what, I was, I'm making six figures now, I'm unemployed, I don't really know what to do. And so it's just been just years and years of learning along with licensing and certification and professional development that we've been able to have this unique niche of being able to help people through their financial burdens. Yes, and you, you said it. Unique is actually what it is that you do. That's great. So how long have you been doing the financial literacy? We started uh, really teaching financial literacy, I want to say about 22 years ago. Uh, 22 years ago. And again, it started with learning just the basic financial literacy. And my husband's a my husband's um, degree is in business administration from um, Boston State University. And his um, minor was insurance and so management. And so... It was very interesting because I started working in banking right out of high school. So when you kind of combine, when we, you know, kind of light bulb went off and we said, you know, we have such unique gifts together. And then the fact that I had a different shift of mindset of the way that I handled my finances, and he was so structured. Mm -hmm. Uh, We really started working and counseling with different couples, people that were going to get married, and they wanted to know, you know, what's the biggest thing that can really tear a marriage apart. And we said, hey, one of the biggest things is finances, because you know, we're not on the same page. And so we've, we've been doing this for, I want to say, really teaching 22 years. My husband has been really doing this for probably, I mean, really sitting down and really for about 30. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Now, not only are you doing financial literacy, but you also mentioned like real estate and first-time mm-hmm. home ownership. And so you also mentioned you're the co. I mentioned you're the co-founder of TDB, which you said is the name of your kids. So, mm-hmm. what is TDB Enterprise? Tell us about this venture. TDB Enterprise LLC is our holding company of our small company, and so it started. What started off to be real estate development. So we would buy. You know, before I became a realtor, we we started even before I got married. Started looking at buying property. Mm-hmm. Sheriff sales, tax sales, foreclosures. And so I always had a passion for wanting to buy real estate. My mom said when I was in high school, like I found my home when my parents bought a home in the 80s. My mom goes, you're the one that found the home. And so it's always been a big passion of mine. And so from TDB was where we started buying property, land or houses that we're going to flip. And we at first it was just T&D. And then 17 years later, Blake came along, and so that's when we had to change the name of the entity to TDB Enterprise because Blake was our, our last child. And so, but we wanted to be able to build and leave them with a legacy, leave oh, them with something. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Legacy was going to be one of my questions, so maybe we'll dive more into that. Yes. You're also the president managing broker of Grace Realty Group here in South Bend. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with the name? I came up with the name. So Grace is the first church that I had the, the opportunity to get delivered and find God. And it was really interesting. That's my first interaction with God. And 
That is also the church, my family church. That's the church I grew up in. The name mm-hmm. of it is Grace, Amy Zine. And it's also the church that my grandfather was one of the founders oh. in uh, 1929. Wow. And so it is near and dear to my heart. And Grace stands for excellence. And in life, we, we have to be able to give people grace and mercy. Exactly. And so when we talk about grace in real estate, it's really having those, that patience with the individuals that entrust you to find their home or find their second home or do construction. And so that's what I really have really grounded myself in with the name. I get that a lot. People ask me, they're like, where did you get that name from? And I said, it was near and dear to me. That's the first, I mean, I was born into that church. That name stands and grace has such a phenomenal meaning. And so that's where I came up with it. Because they're like trying to figure out, like, one of your kids' names? <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't you know, realize it. So family, it's spiritual, and it holds its name of integrity. So I, I love it. It's awesome. I love it, too. That's, I love it. Okay, so in your spare time, you enjoy mentoring young entrepreneurs and your life coach to high school students. Now, you have a nonprofit. Let's talk about that. Yes, I do. I have a nonprofit. So um, my job... During the day, I run a non-for-profit, and it's called Indiana Parenting Institute of St. Joseph County, which we're getting ready to change our name um, because we have we really focus in on out-of-school learning. For years, we did a lot of parent education and, and parent uh, outreach, and we worked a lot with the state of Indiana, but we really found our focus is that we work a lot with youth. And so we're um, in the process of changing our name, and we do a lot of youth coaching. We do a lot of college and career coaching. We take students on college visits. We introduce them to trades and careers. And so, but we do all of this through what we call out-of-school learning. So everything that's not traditional, you know, math, writing, arithmetic. We offer tutoring. We offer life coaching. We offer financial literacy education. Right now we're... A lot of what we do is virtual because the schools are not in. We work with high school students. We had the privilege this year of being able to work with um, middle school students. So we were extremely excited about being able to bring on some, a middle school pilot program. So that is my, that's my passion because I always wanted to have a nonprofit. And one of the things that's very interesting is that when you run a nonprofit, sometimes you have a hard time with funding. And so that's where I had the idea of really wanting to go ahead and start my own real estate company. I was eligible. I'm a managing broker, all the license in Indiana, so that I could have the funding component to help with my non-for-profit. Okay, great. Now, you're also involved in your community, so you're a part of the Junior League. You're also on the South Bend School Board. Yeah. Why do you feel this is important? Why do you feel being involved in your community is important? I'm a philanthropist. That is near and dear to my heart. I always tell, uh, my husband will tell you, if financially I didn't have to work and I, I could hit the millions, I would do philanthropy work every day. Okay. I would, you know, go into the homeless centers. I would go into, you know, safe uh, stations. I'd be in the school because that's what I like to do. I love, I'm a giver, and I love to help. That's great. I like and that's, that. And that's been all my life. Even when I was in high school, when I was in student government, I always volunteered. Um, even through my experience through college experience, I was an RA uh, in the dorms um, for three years. And I've always just liked to help. I mean, that's just something. And again, that's I'm a third generation of being a philanthropist, of raising funds and, 
you know, I'm in not only Junior League, I'm in the Southern Area Links. So Junior League, I'm a sustainer, so I'm alumni. And so in, I'm in the Southern Area Links, and we're a civic scholarship organization also with a with a focus on uh, youth and, and health and human services. We're an international organization as well as national organization. And then I'm also um, the vice president of the National Drifters Incorporated on the national level. We have a South Bend chapter here, South Bend Drifters. And uh, we've been around 65, uh, well, 65 years wow. as a chapter. And so we're all of, when people ask me what do they all have in common, they're an organization of women that have the same focus. And working and giving, uh, working in their community to make their communities better. Great, and where we have a national focus of where we have a lot of our governance and there's other chapters. So I can go to city from city and be able to find another one of my junior league sisters or link sister or drifter sister. Um, they, we all have the same focus. That's great. And I want to thank you for having a passion to help people. That's awesome. Now, not only that, you also mentioned you're the vice president of the South Bend Black Business Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Yes. I am so excited about the um, South Bend Black Business Chamber of Commerce because for a long time there was a, a black business chamber in South Bend, and then I think it kind of dissolved. And then we started getting calls, and um, Derek and I do a lot of business coaching because we've been in business, because we know uh, from bookkeeping to finances to sustainability plans to business plans, feasibility plans, all the way just to real life is owning a business for you. Um, the ins and outs. What's a 1099? What's a W-2? What's that earned income? What's the residual income? And so we wanted to we wanted to be able to now be able to help a lot of minority businesses get off get off on a good track because we had the opportunity of having to get into a franchise, which is State Farm is a franchise. So our first business was a franchise, and our second business was a cleaning service. So we've been able to get all of this experience, having real life experiences. Now we wanted to make sure that in South Bend there was a sounding board organization that would be able to house workshops and financial literacy workshops and team up with. We're excited that we have a good relationship with the Chamber of Commerce here, the Regional Chamber of Commerce, uh, Mr. Jeff Gray, and so um, and Mr. Johnson and Elkhart, who is also the, the CEO of the, the uh, Regional Chamber. Having um, that platform here in South Bend is going to be great because we started off really, really good foot this year because we're doing some business coaching for the small business suite for the city of South Bend through the chamber. And so we're excited about that so small businesses can sign up through the city and be able to get um, coaching on their new business. Uh, we're the business coaches. Um, there's a financial coaches through some of the bankers with some legal coaches through some of the attorneys, accounting um, coaching, so you name it. And so we're just so happy to be a part of that team also. We're gonna we're gonna be launching. We're hoping that with uh, with COVID kind of slowing down a little bit, we're hoping that we'll have a really soft launch coming up, and then when kind of have a little release from COVID, then we'll have, be able to have a much larger big grand opening here in South Bend. So businesses that join the chamber will be able to platform their businesses and be able to. Um, Get the word out. We want to be the we're going to be the one stop shop for minority businesses, so people can know like what to come in town. Like if there's a minority business that they're interested in knowing, from food all the way to um, uh, hair care to daycare or whatever that may be, um, lawn care service, cleaning service, or whatever. 
sometimes people want to know. People want to work with minority-owned businesses, and so we're hoping that we're that one-stop platform. I love it. That's awesome. So did I mention that you do a lot? Yeah. <laughs> I do. But you know what? I don't know if you're going to ask me, but I do have a work-life balance now. Uh, that that might be coming. So, But before <laughs> I get there, let's talk about the podcast that you do. Level up. Level up. Level up with Leslie Wesley. And it actually started off because I was running for office, school board. I love children. I've been on the school board now for four years. I'm getting ready to get installed for my second term. And the interesting part about it is because he had to be so creative when I was running for office. And then my husband said one day, he said, you love to talk. You ever thought about starting a podcast? And then the gentleman that was working with me on a lot of the marketing, on my flyers and website and everything, he goes, you should think about a talk show or something. He said, you should think about a talk show. And I'm going, okay, it's confirmation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start me a podcast. And so I just, I said, and he came back and he said, I'm going to give you some ideas. He said, what about level up? He said, because you're always trying to elevate people. I, I like that. Oh, he said, level up, level up with Leslie Wesley. And, I, and then that's just how we start off with, with level up with Leslie Wesley to get to know me and then um, to run during the election because, like I said, that'd be creative. Um, because we were so we were confined to the house, and so people were listening to the radio, and people listening online, and in their cars, and everything. So, so let me start this podcast, and then the podcast kind of went from let me start the podcast, but let me go to the talk show, and then go on one of the local radio stations. And so that would be the combination. I would do the podcast, and then be on the radio station. Love so it. that's how we got to level. That's how we got to level up. Level nice. up with Leslie Wesley. Nice, nice. Level up with Leslie Wesley. Now, out of everything you do, because we talked about a lot, which do you feel you are most passionate about? Out of everything that I do, everything's important. This is my this is my philosophy. If you start a mission, the money will come. Everything that I do is solving a problem. Everything that I talk to you about right now on this podcast, if I tell you I started real estate, was because we were people that were called and said they didn't have anywhere to live. Um, when I went into financial literacy education, it's because people would call us and say, I'm on the brink of a divorce. She had money, he had money, or my own self, buying too much, buying on emotions, just buying not one coach bag but ten coach bags, mm-hmm. and then really saying, am I going to build wealth for my kids? Again, remember I told you, whatever I start, it's a cause. It's something that's going to solve a problem. And so that's why I'm so passionate. Now, children are my passion. If I had to pick anything, well, I love coaching. I love I love seeing children successful. I love working with the underserved and underrepresented. For some, this is the first summer in ten years in 2019 that I was not able to host a summer STEM camp for children in the inner city mm. that could not go off to traditional camps mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. And that and then people would ask me like, I don't remember you having any background in STEM. I had a passion for making sure that I could reach back and get a child because somebody reached back and brought me along. Right. And okay. that's where I said, that's why I said it's always, I try to blend everything. From the outside, I look busy. Like, oh, my God, is she going to do one more thing? <laughs> all kind of flow together, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I have great people around me. Right. Okay. That's great that you got a good support system around you. Now, being married for 27 years and you have four children? I have I actually have four children. My oldest, my oldest daughter, 
is my husband's cousin, and she's my she's my cousin's daughter. So, but I have uh, my three children at that Taylor and Derek and Blake. So I have three children. I have a grandbaby. Awesome! And she's two years old. Oh, you probably spoil her. She's probably ruined. She's rotten. Yes, yes. That's right. Yes, she's rotten. Yes. She is rotten to the core, but I love her. I don't spoil her. I love her. Awesome. Keep showing that love. Okay, so you're a third-generation entrepreneur. So with that being said, has being an entrepreneur affected your family life? Um, you have to sacrifice, yes. It's mental. It's a mental thing, and I say it's mental because you have to remember, I got married. We were W-2. We lived in Indy. We built a home. We were young. And then all of a sudden, we got that one phone call. And they were like, what? Newlyweds. And so then we had to... We just built a home. We just moved in it. We're like, what? Move to been And we thought, oh, our house won't sell. You know, all these things you have to adjust. You go from a W-2, and for the, everybody listening, W-2 means that's that stabilized uh, paycheck that you get every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You work for an employer to give you a W-2. We had to now go to as a, become a 1099 family. So now I'm like, oh, wait, you're a 1099 family? Yep, you got to sell your house. We had to move back to South Bend. Luckily, our... Our, my in-laws had built this beautiful home. It was brand new. It had only been there about two years. Huge. And said, hey, y'all can come and live with us. Start your business. Because that's the sacrifice piece that people don't understand. We lived with our in-laws for three years. We shared that story. It was great. Best in-laws in the world. But we had to, there were long nights. Then we had to worry about you know dinner and making dinner and coming back and having a house. And then there were those days we didn't have money. Mm-hmm. And we were the last ones to get a paycheck. And that paycheck may have been real small, but that was a sacrifice piece. We sold our house. We lived in a studio in between because our house sold like 14 days, and we had to move back to South Bend. And then I had to finish my job, and Derek had to go ahead and come back here to South Bend early to start to open up the state farm business. So I had to quit my job in Indy, come back to South Bend. And instead of me going to get another job, I said, Honey, what if I come to work for you? We sacrifice. That way, when we don't have a, we didn't have payroll. I didn't have to worry about it because he was married to the employee. He was mm-hmm. married to the employee, so I just became. I said, I'll just come in and work and volunteer and work with you. Okay, great. Let's talk about that work-life balance. Do you ever feel overwhelmed because you do so much? And if so, how do you take time for Leslie? I do. I get overwhelmed, and not so much from the business standpoint. I get overwhelmed from the mission standpoint. And that's the part that I had to really, I'll tell you, the pandemic really, it took lives. Uh, and it, it took family mem- it took by some of my family members. But I will say that the pandemic also, on the other side, really allowed for me to put myself on pause. And at times that I want to say it's a, it's a really, it's a song, and I think it's by Lisa McClendon, and it's called If I Could Put the World on Pause. And it starts off with the mother, kids crying in the background, she cooking, cleaning, and work, and all that. And I think for me, it it took the pandemic really to kind of slow me down. And I really am going to tell you, as I look back and I've been journaling and thinking, how did I get through all these different With kids now, at one time I had four children, a newborn, a teenager, and two little kids in between. And I was working, and I was trying to make all their different events. But it's been stages for me of entrepreneurship. And that's how I've been able to have work-life balance. Now that I have one child at home, now I'm able to help my husband start the Black Business Chamber. Where when I have four kids at home, there's no way we could look at the Black Business Chamber. It's not going to be an option. Okay. At all. 
the work-life balance where I do a lot of out-of-school learning time. That means my time during the day is kind of freed up a little bit because I do a lot of weekends and nights and stuff like that. So that's where you have to have that work-life balance. But my spiritual components of that work-life balance is what I'd have that time in the morning before I start my day, before I do anything. I I journal at night. I write out everything that I'm going to do the next day. Sometimes my schedule gets thrown off. I didn't always have that type of balance um, because I was just I was superwoman. I kept going. Mm. Now I write out what I'm going to do, check it off. This is all I'm going to do. I have my goals for 21. They're on a flip chart. I tear that flip chart off, a big, large flip chart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're plastered all the way around my wall. And as I accomplish everything that I say, that's what I finish. When, if I can't, sometimes I have to pivot, reposition, and come back to it. I've also incorporated now eating habits. Four years ago, I gave up beef and pork. Wow. I had to because I couldn't. I was sluggish. I don't eat any um, shellfish because I'm allergic. So I am turkey, chicken, a little lamb from time to time because it's a very mild piece of meat. But other than that, incorporating more fruits and vegetables into my diet. I don't drink pop. I'm only a lemonade person. I mean, it's just a lot of things that I really I have incorporated lavender throughout my house because lavender is a very calming and soothing. Mm-hmm. So probably every room you go in got lavender smell. I do a lot of lemon. And I, I had to eliminate, I had to learn how to say no. Okay. That's key. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had to learn how to say no. Okay. So what has been your most satisfying moment in any of your businesses? The most satisfying moment. Ooh, I tell you one thing that was really fulfilling for me in my businesses is really this path. Um, really starting the Grace Realty Group because it has so much of a meaning. It it was my family, my grandfather who died when I was very, very, I mean, very, very young. So I didn't get a really opportunity to be with him. And then where it was that spiritual side of starting Grace um, Realty. But being my, the fulfillment this uh, this year of being able to see people be able to get into home or find out that they have an opportunity or see them light up when they say you have the potential. I'd say every year I have I have a, this aha moment, and every business that I've started or even my nonprofit has been an aha moment. So it's not fair for you to make me choose. I'm just gonna choose great <laughs> because that's the last one. Um, Mana Financial is another one because we're financial coaching, and, you know, I just had an opportunity uh, to be a part of a phenomenal group of women here in South Bend, the uh, 100 black women in South Bend, and being able to uh, be a presenter and, and, and teach for them. And the people that have reached out to me after presenting um, has just made me so proud. So I, I have to say Mana Financial and the um, Grace uh, realty group have been an aha moment for me because they've been so, and because of the pandemic being 2020 this year, those were the aha, aha moments for me. That's awesome. What is non-negotiable for Leslie? I don't compromise my self-worth. Good. Like that. Mm-hmm. And whatever I'm worth, and, and, and it wasn't always like that, but I told everybody 21 is a new year. I like and like I said, coming out of the pandemic, and I say this to anybody that's listening, that's an entrepreneur, you cannot, and we say this in business coaching, you cannot compromise your self-worth. You cannot compromise your colleagues that are also doing the same thing that you're doing. 
If you're a good presenter, you get paid to present. Mm -hmm. If you are a coach, you get paid to coach. Exactly. Uh, That's what I tell people. If you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what would it be? Build the foundation first. And what I mean is that in any time you're building a house, if you don't have a strong foundation, the house is going to crumble. So true. That's my advice. Okay. That means do your research. Good advice to give. If you want to open a restaurant, go work for a restaurant first. Find out how, how do they run a restaurant. What's the ins and outs? Ask that employer that you're working for, hey, can I find out more information? I'd like to volunteer a little bit more. I didn't learn how to do a, become an uh, executive director of a nonprofit, but I worked for a nonprofit first. Mm-hmm. I didn't know banking, but I worked for a banking uh, uh, institution first so that I can learn how to now coach people through the banking process. You see where I'm going? Exactly. So that foundation has to be stabilized. You've got to pour that foundation first, do your homework. You have to do a self-assessment. And how often do you feel a self-assessment should be done? I think you need to assess the value of your uh, business every year. Am I making money? Is this a hobby? Because I think sometimes people want to say, I want to go in business for myself. And this is what I tell them as a business coach. That's great, but let's talk about it. Okay. What financial resources do you have? Do you have medical insurance? Because entrepreneurs sometimes neglect and don't have exactly uh, medical insurance, health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance. Do you have kids? What kind of debt do you have? Why don't you start off as a home-based business, home-based business, and then move into a big, huge business? So those are the those are that's the advice that I get. That's that foundation piece. That's why I said that that assessment piece is really looking to see. Am I trying to start a business to make money, or am I passionate about it, or is it a hobby? you got to really make those decisions. And some people are great because their hobbies are seasonal, but when you're going to business and you want to be an entrepreneur long-term, what type of manpower? Do I need a building? Is it something I can do out of my house? How is that going to interrupt my house if I run the business out of my house? Exactly. I like that. Great information. Thanks Uh for sharing that. Now, what would you recommend entrepreneurs to invest their time in? I think entrepreneurs need to invest their time in getting financially sound. That's the number one thing I would recommend. And what I mean by that is your credit, because you want, if you want to look at getting a business loan, if you're wanting to go and get your portfolio plan to investors, you need to be financially sound. You need to look at your credit. You also need to have a business plan. Good information. Now, what about networking? A lot of people say that entrepreneurs need to be out there networking, making key contacts. I think that entrepreneurs and networking is key. But I also think that when you are networking, what are you telling people about yourself? Because they don't want to hear a dream. When you're out networking with heavy hitters, they want to know your plan. That's good. You share your dreams with your friends and family. You share your plan with like-minded business owners. Stakeholders, like investors, holding companies, shark tanks. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does right. you see what the difference? Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to write a book about yourself, what would you name it? <laughs> if I would write a book about myself, mm, that's, that is, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. I mean, because you do a lot. I mean, you could write a book, technically, um, seriously. If I wrote a book about myself, I'd probably call it Abundant Life, the, the story about my, about my life. But if I had to write a book about my social entrepreneur spirit, mm-hmm. it it would be somewhere in the ballpark of I like I like your I like your 
podcast, Boss Up. Okay. Women who are forward thinkers and ready to take on the world. That's me. I'm a risk taker. It might be called, you know what, the book may be called Risk. Okay. Yeah, because I don't mind taking a risk on a business deal. I'm always trying to surround myself with like-minded people, so it would be something that, girl, boss up, boom, take a risk. Look at that. I like that. Boss (laughs) up, take a risk. Okay. Yeah, girl, boss up, boom, take a risk. I like that. Uh Now, we spoke about legacy earlier. How Uh important is it to leave a legacy behind? It's very important. I always tell people, um, my parents were able, my dad's deceased now, but um, my mom's still living. And the legacy that my parents are leaving me, uh, not financial, because they grew up in an era and a time, and in their age group, that they they had to fight off racism and, I mean, Jim Crow and, you know, but they gave me a legacy foundation of integrity, character, spiritual, being able, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say. My dad was stickler on being on time. Owe no man. If you owe them, pay them. And then what I want to leave is all of those characteristics that my parents were able to give me and instill in me with my children. Being a leader. Mean what you say. Be on time. Tell the people no if you can't do it. If you can't do it, be honest, be upfront. Having class and all that. But when the spirits, I mean, that, 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 uh, entrepreneurship legacy that I'm trying to leave for my children is a foundational legacy of introducing them to money and why money matters and why it's important to be very wise stewards when it comes to money. Not fugal, not a tight wide, um, but a good steward knowing to give, um, knowing to save, knowing when to spend. That's the legacy that I'm trying to leave on, on top of the other ones that I learned from my mom and dad. And I always say my dad had the opportunity of what opportunities I have had, that there would have been a money trail of uh, legacy left, but they had, they came up in a different type of era. I want to be able to leave my kids with some form of solid foundation of oh. them being able to know the meaning behind building wealth so that they can leave a legacy also. Okay, great. Yeah, and something so that they can start, oh. be able to start a business and be able to continue with the business. Those are the legacies that I want them to leave. I want to leave. All right, awesome. I ask all my guests this. What is your definition of a boss? A boss? Ooh, (laughs) that's funny because my staff, they always call me boss lady. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that I would honestly say that um, my definition of a boss is someone who who leads but also follows. Okay. my definition of a boss is a person that can, that it, like again, that is a risk taker who has that passion and compassion uh, to make change. That person that is a boss is coming in early and staying late. Mm-hmm. And that definition of a boss is the one that is sacrificed to be the last one to eat. Mm-hmm. That's Great. what I say that I would I would have to say my definition of a boss is definitely, they are definitely a leader. Great. I like that. Now, if someone wants more information or to contact you, how can they reach out to you? Ooh, if they want to contact me, they can contact me. I'm Leslie Wesley. Um, you can contact me at uh, 574-532-0563. That's 574 
Um, they can also contact me. I always tell everybody, yes, I am still an AOL girl. <laughs> and it's real easy. It's L-E-S-W-E-S-L-E-Y at AOL.com. So it's L-E-S-W-E-S-L-E-Y at AOL.com. They can, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I'm on there. I don't think I'm on TikTok yet. Uh, <laughs> I haven't yet. been able to. To manage TikTok, and then also they go online on LeslieWesley.com, and they can find me also at LeslieWesley.com. That's great. Okay, <laughs> Leslie, I want to thank you for your time for sharing your journey with our listeners today. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. My pleasure. I just want to thank you. If anyone wants more information about Women Who Boss Up, you can email me at womenwhobossup at gmail.com. You can also like my Facebook page at Women Who Boss Up. Until next time, take care.